Welcome to Funny Planet, where we try to explore the humor sphere. Finding out what's funny around the world. What's unique to a country's culture of humor, history, and politics. And what is universal. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Funny Planet. Funny Planet. Funny Planet. This is Brendan. This Lemon. is Zach. Zach? Zach? <laughs> That's Zach Tomasovic. Hey, guys. Thanks uh, for coming. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. I um, I think we've had some some blessings with some great guests and some good listenership. And uh, in a few episodes, if you'll be if you if you have a keen ear and you're a follower of this podcast, you may have put together the puzzle pieces that we talk a few times about comedians of the world, and we mention Brent Sheese. Well, let me tell you, you are in luck because we are talking to him on the podcast today. Brent Sheese uh, is the crea- uh, really uh, wearer of many hats, but I think yep. officially t- officially titled the director of television content at Just for Laughs. Bang! Just for Laughs, uh, one of the biggest names in international comedy. He made the editorial decisions about who and in what way people are going to be involved with the comedians of the world on Netflix, which is a humongous project. Comedians mm-hmm. from all over the world. They recorded it Just for Laughs in Montreal and. Uh, Brent is a giant fan of comedy, and that comes across yeah. when we talk to him. He was so excited. He was so. Uh, it was so just uh, exciting to talk to him. He really he has was such a good energy. Great and, energy. Uh, knows a ton of different comedians. Talks a lot about Sugar Sammy, who's somebody he's very close to. I think partially because of that story about how he ran into that kid for days, and then now he's like this famous international guy. Um, we might even get uh, Sugar Sammy on the podcast, but um, he talks just a lot about his experience of. Of, of producing comedy, getting involved with comedy. Because one of the things that I think we tend to forget about and one of the things we want to make sure is uh, not forgotten about on this podcast is that the world of comedy does not just involve comedians. That the world of comedy can involve producers, it can involve uh, uh, directors. It, it can, can involve, involve your mom. It can involve your your mom. <laughs> Your, your mom, mama's so involved yeah, in comedy. Your mom can be your manager. There's no shame there, Brendan. It's fine. <laughs> Brendan's mom is his manager. I know. That's why I do so many shows uh, in the dining room. Um, I just want him at home. Do it again. (laughs) Do it again, Brendan. Do it again, but better. Uh, So, no, but you don't want to forget about the fact that there's a lot of other people in the world of comedy. So we'll be talking to him and, uh, uh, you know, lots of producers, I think, also. And then I think, you know, people who maybe used to be comedians but are now politicians or now whatever and how comedy has helped inform their worldview, we'll be talking to them too because the world of the humor sphere that we're exploring encompasses many things that are cultural and political and um, entrepreneurial and, and, and Brent falls into that category. Um, a guy who's not done much comedy himself but has been involved with the world of comedy for like two decades. Yeah, he's facilitated a lot of uh, a lot of laughs. Yeah, and, 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 and many of the comedians we speak with in uh, the show were directly affected by you know his editorial decision making and and l- let me tell you if you've ever if you're a comic listening and you're like oh these people they don't get me they don't get my sense of humor let me tell you Brent absolutely is a fan of comedy so if you have stuff going on in the internet he even talks about a way to get a hold is just Posting stuff, putting up views. How do you get to just for laughs? You got to produce stuff and be a funny comic and focus on your art form. And um, in a way, that's reassuring actually because it makes me feel like, you know, we can all get noticed. And he—that's how he found all these people for comedians of the world. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that's probably all I want to all, all, all the window dressing I want to do here for this episode. Uh, you got anything else you want to toss in, Zach? No, let's do it. All right, guys. Brent Sheese. Thank <laughs> you.
Juste pour rire. Welcome to Just for Laughs. To continue in English, please press 9. Oh, what a day for comedy. Are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. <laughs> what a day for comedy. <laughs> I, I start every day with that. People go, hey, how's it going in French or English? Go, oh, man, what a day for comedy. <laughs> And on Fridays, it's usually, oh, man... This work, that's awesome. It's Friday. I said, yeah, you know why it's great that it's Friday? Said, why? Because it's that much closer to Monday, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what? What are you doing? I said, it's amazing. We work in comedy. Are you kidding me? God damn it. Do I have to take a day off today? <laughs> ah, I hate it. <laughs> Again? We just had a weekend like five, six days ago. <laughs> uh, oh my um, you should be working uh, in America be... then. you don't want vacation days exactly <laughs> yeah, man. Just comes oh, out there'll be no working over the weekend this weekend and, oh come and, on and no healthcare <laughs> if you bust a rib laughing you're on well, your own <laughs> it is so, the best medicine, guys. So it is. Why not? This is why Canadians have a better <laughs> sense of humor. You're not afraid to break a rib laughing at stuff. Yeah. Mitch McConnell's exactly. just a really funny guy. That's why he doesn't. That's why he doesn't really care about healthcare. Oh my God! Yeah. What? Mitch McConnell, greatest <laughs> greatest deadpan comic America's ever produced. <laughs> I will not be doing any political material, though. That's fine. You, uh, I we, absolutely we refuse. Yeah, we uh we actually don't really do it over here either. Neither Zach nor okay. I. Okay. I but I mean we who is doing political material? We're telling you a fact. Mitch McConnell is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, we got an election going on here in Canada, as you may know um, as well. So it's kind of funny that the uh, our national leader is a bit of a uh, Justin Trudeau is just a sort of a pretty guy who's made a bunch of election promises and then realized, oh, now I have to fulfill all these financial <laughs> well, things. Uh, so he's put us into billions of debt each year further. Anyways. Brent, can you kind of give us just a, I mean, uh, can you give us just a quick overview of what's going on up there? Because it has not made its way down here at all. Like, uh, um, It's a no, national election. No one is covering for, it. Oh, uh, okay. Really? Wow. I no didn't uh, have imagined that. Yeah. I will give a very abridged version. Um, we're going into a national election for our prime minister, and there's uh, four major parties. Uh, it's really strange to try and describe it because, as you probably know, Canada as a whole is bilingual, with one province being officially bilingual, French and English, and the other, Quebec, being officially French. All the other wow. provinces are officially English. There's a national party, repeat, national party, that only has representatives in Quebec. So they run for the <laughs> national party, wow. knowing they will never be a majority, just to represent Quebec and just to split the vote in the other provinces. Oh, my, oh my gosh. <laughs> they have national debates, which are really quite funny, because the national debates are in French and English. They do some debates in English, some in French. And the ones in French feature all of the leaders, most of whom can't really speak French, um, which is hilarious. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious for the accents and the just absolute butchering of the French language. It's, it's really quite funny. And then the uh, English debates that take place in the rest of Canada 
do not feature the Quebec party, which would be hilarious to hear them speak English. So, you know, it's just, (laughs) it really, it's difficult to describe the cacophony of, during debates, people, it happens in democratic debates as well, where people talk over each other, and we couldn't really hear Mm. that guy or that woman's point, because this clown was talking on top of him to try and, Mm. you know, rebut something that was said five minutes ago. So it's just, guys, can we actually hear what you have to say? So the media's just gone crazy on the debates going, we didn't really learn much this time. We knew who shouted that loudest. But apart from that, what, what was that guy's policy again? I don't really know. <laughs> so, by the way, it's, just, great, it's too bad. Yes. Great great use of the word cacophony, by the way. That was Thank a real vocab word. Yeah, I don't let even me do know the, if it was in context. Oh, it was. You nailed it. Uh, <laughs> let's let me, let me let's yeah. do the let's do the set real quick. We're already recording, but uh, and this will probably Uh-oh. all end up on the podcast, but I I should say okay. uh, today on Funny Planet we have uh, Canadian uh, hockey referee Brent Scheiss on the pod. Brent Scheiss, Canadian <laughs> hockey referee. <laughs> That's all it's we'll actually pronounced Scheiss because if you pronounce it Scheiss, it means a totally different word in German. Yeah. Oh, does it really? And German speakers will know. Yeah, it means shit. Oh, um, Scheiss means shit, and Scheiss, my name, means shoot, bang, bang. Like it's, oh, got it's it. okay. in oh, the okay. same realm as the English just transposed the vowel, but. Everybody okay. gets it wrong. All my elementary school teachers throughout my life got it wrong. So much <laughs> so to I'm the good, amusement I'm of German speakers. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So let me reset then. Okay. Today on the pod, we have Brent Shies, the uh, director of television yeah. programming and uh, all-around funny guy at Just for Laughs up in oh. Montreal. Woo-hoo. That's my own whoop-whoop. I don't know nice. if that's appropriate. Uh, Good day, gentlemen. Good day. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Well, great good, having you on. Yeah, great having you on. Uh, we were, you, you know, you and I spoke a little bit before, Brent, uh, on the phone and had a yeah. bunch of laughs, but you've been in the business for a long time. You've been working for Just for Laughs uh, for for a while, and for everybody who, I mean, this this pod is mostly comedy people and comedy fans, so everybody's heard of just for laughs, but uh, just okay. if you if you haven't for some reason, just for laughs yeah. is the, the biggest, largest, uh, largest brand, and certainly I think uh, biggest all around international comedy festival. It takes place once a year in Montreal. It's been going on for what, like like thirty five years now. Thirty eight now, actually. Thirty eight. Yeah, it's it's been a while. We also have festivals in Sydney, Australia, Vancouver, Canada, and Toronto as well as Montreal. But Montreal is sort of the mothership and the starting point. In 83, we began as a French, a two-evening, four-show, French-only event. And it expanded quickly. We had deals with HBO and Fox over the years and uh, the CW currently. And Kevin Hart loves us. And we've been sort of the launching place for a bunch of talent around the world that are household names now. I mean, Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, probably better known as Mr. Bean, started, did his first televised nonverbal performance here at the festival in 87. (laughs) So it's one of those things where our first English comic was Jay Leno, English speaking uh, American comic was Jay Leno in 85. Oh, wow. Wow. So, I mean, it's a bit of old school mixed with a lot of the new school. Kevin Hart got a start here in 2001, I think it was, uh, on our new faces of comedy. Yeah, a whole bunch of comedians have come through. Chelsea Peretti, I know, has come through. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yep. like, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head of people who I know who have 
come through. But there's a whole bunch who have made their debut at New Faces, and uh, you guys yep. even have that. Um, you guys even have that show on Amazon Prime right now that's following a handful of different comics yeah. around the states as they inside to... jokes. That's it. That's the one. It it actually provides some of my idiot friends here in Montreal don't really know a lot about comedy. They identify Jerry Seinfeld, and then the list drops off steeply right after that. Um, so I tell them, listen, if you want to know what the festival's about in terms of discovery of the next Kevin Hart, of the next, I mean, old school Tim Allen, you know, Ray Romano, the people who've sort of got discovered here at the festival, watch Inside Jokes. It's about the undiscovered talent that in five years from now, you'll be seeing the Zach Galifianakis's among those people. Because they'll advance. Not all of them will. Well, maybe all of them will. But probably not all of them will. But some will rise to the top for whatever reason. They fit uh, a casting agent, uh, their desire for whatever, and their their talent uh, skill set matches what is needed. And they do well. And the public likes them. And they're funny. And the show they're on is a hit. And then they go on to, I mean, look at guys like Drew Carey, who had the Drew Carey show, had a talk show, who was on Who's Line for a while, did Prices Right. I mean, did a whole bunch of things all route to his success, all adding to his success. Now, like him or hate him, you can't argue that he's not a multidisciplinary guy. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's transformed himself numerous times. So whether you find Drew Carey funny or not, I mean, he's here in 93 for the first time. And uh, you just got to go, okay, he's, he works, <laughs> he works hard yeah. and he does a lot of stuff and he, he is a success. So there you go. I mean, so, we could run the list of stuff, but I think you guys want to talk a, a little bit more about international scope. Yeah. You nailed that's right. it. He's also Cleveland's, uh, one of Cleveland's major uh, industries. Uh, yeah, doesn't so. he own a the MLS <laughs> team or something? Yeah, the, uh, yeah. the, the Seattle Sounders. The Sounders, yeah. 17, is that right? Yeah, he's seventeen percent of Cleveland's GDP. So, <laughs> are you serious? Are you making that up or is that serious? Oh no, no, that's totally made up. But ah, oh, well, it sounds good to I me. Hang on, let me just tweet that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a Pittsburgh guy. I'm a Pittsburgh guy. So any uh, okay, <laughs> the steel curtain all the way. Yeah, Cleveland is just. <laughs> just our mirror you know it's a little too close to home for us so um, oh i didn't i did not know that yeah you're dealing yeah. with a couple of midwestern people i'm i grew up in metro <laughs> detroit so i feel like i'm i'm familiar with being canada junior just just <laughs> no, just north of the canadian border uh, full disclosure i did i used to for your listeners i used to scout comedy for the festival before i moved into tv production and um when i scouted i'd do those scouting trips or go Cleveland one night, Pittsburgh one night, St. Louis one night, Fort Lauderdale one night, and whatever, Flint, Michigan another night, and just go do showcases. So we do auditions and set them up in advance. And the only, t one of the two times I've been actually afraid in a city was, one of them was Detroit. <laughs> yep. Yeah, <it> <laughs> so I went downtown, I, I arrived the night before the showcase and went downtown at night by public transit, by my own choice, because I like doing that, like cabbing everywhere. I just, I was staying at a hotel and I said, you know what, I'm going to go downtown. And I asked, where's the bus? You just take this bus. And I was on the bus with uh, quite a lot of, uh, a, a large crowd. And <laughs> yeah. um, the type of people that would walk up and down the bus, I mean, legit crazy people. Oh yeah. And I said, I 
don't know if I'm going to survive this. What, 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 what year? Hold on, Brent. What year was this in in Detroit? Ninety-eight. Oh yeah, you were two thousand. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah. So a lot of for sale signs. A oh lot, yeah. <laughs> that was right before it. Yeah, right before it bottomed oh. out, man. That was that was still oh, a man. That was probably the worst time to, to be down. Well, I'm amazed you made it. <laughs> like I'm so uh, yes, I'm so glad. <laughs> The other time was in Edinburgh, Scotland. I was crossing a bridge, and a uh, drunk person in Edinburgh—I know, I know—shocking—was uh, walking <laughs> towards me, possibly homeless, possibly just confused and disheveled. Uh, walked towards me, um, and it was crowded. I mean, it was two in the afternoon. So a lot of people around. Sort of stumbled, stood upright as I'm going like towards him and past him, and I sort of looked at him, just going, uh, "Okay, I'm walking past you." He cocked his fist and threw a haymaker at me, missed my throat by about an inch. And the worst part was I stood there. I go, what what just happened? And nobody blinked an eye. I mean, it was like New York City. It was like, uh, yeah, we're not getting involved. Yeah, Yeah. that sounds so Scottish. Yeah, I I think the the look on people's faces was, hey, I think he likes you. So, oh my god! <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know what to do, so I just went. Oh, okay, keep walking and were kept you, going. Uh, were you in Scotland for the Fringe? Is that what that where that story yes, comes from? Yeah, I did about ten years of the Fringe and oh, had wow. some low lights and highlights. And uh, one of my, my low lights was uh, the show at one a.m. As uh, for your listeners, some of whom probably know this, but the Edinburgh Fringe is ma- way bigger than Montreal, but it's a fringe. So anybody who wants a show, you can go there and put on a show. But it's a very expensive city, and you get a lot of competition because yeah. anyone who wants a show can do a show. Mm-hmm. And they put on a show at the Holiday Inn in the basement, heart of downtown. They oh, I know where that the is. Yeah. The- I know exactly go. where that is. We had friends, the- I had friends who did shows in the basement of the Holiday Inn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was, it was I think 2002 or three, and it was the year that Dimitri Martin won the Perrier for oh, his wow. show If I, which is a brilliant show. But this show is called Sweet FA. I remember because I was doing a blog for Chortle, Chortle.co.uk, mm-hmm. a massive comedy intelligentsia site, and um, they had a show there called Sweet FA that started at 1 a.m. Again, started at 1 a.m. You walk into the Holiday Inn basement, uh, 200 seats, whatever it was, and um, take your seats. About two pounds to get in. Take your seats. People around you, okay, and they dim the lights. They go, ladies and gentlemen, please turn off your phones. We'll be starting the show in 30 seconds. Lights down in the house, up on stage, and one hour, start time now, of nothing. <laughs> and it was an oasis in the the just nanny of shows that is Edinburgh of just peace and quiet. Oh Nobody God. fired the show, but they had about 10 people in, and there's precious little funnier than 8 to 10 drunk Scots watching nothing and oh commenting to each other so that the real entertainment is the banter among the audience because you don't have to keep <laughs> quiet because there's nothing going on. So we started, you know, just, oh man, this is riveting. I wonder what's going to happen next. And then a gentleman walked in three minutes late. Well, we let into him. We said, man, you missed the beginning. <laughs> None of this is going to make any sense because you missed the beginning. So, <laughs> I mean, and all of us filtered off after about 10 minutes. I mean, the joke's over, but they made, I don't know, 20 bucks out of an empty room by hiring a technician to sit there and read War and Peace oh, uh, wow. in That's quiet. Sad. 
Well, that's I, I feel like I need to do that segue. idea. <laughs> that's a good segue into uh, what we're going to talk about today. Uh, yeah. Uh, the great, great void. Um, so, so Brent, you've been doing this for a long time, and Edinburgh Fringe is a good place to start because so many yeah. comics from all around the world uh, come to the Edinburgh Fringe to hone their talent, uh, maybe get discovered, as in the case of Dimitri Martin and the Perrier Award. Um, mm-hmm. Can you, you know, the thing, you know, Brendan and I met at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, oh, there and, you go. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, two kids one later, of the best here we are. My life. Yeah, it's <laughs> later, and we're a little bit more resentful of each other, but we, you know, we hang on. And yeah. uh, you know, can You're you resilient. talk about? Yeah, we're resilient. We we have grit. So, can you talk a little bit about um, maybe, you know, your first uh, kind of impressions of? you know, international comedy and, you know, what are some in terms of the of diversity or strengths? Yeah, yeah. I guess in terms of like, maybe we can start actually with the, uh, you know, start in your hometown of Montreal where you have English speakers and you have French speakers. Yeah. Uh, what have you noticed between, uh, comics who are doing their sets only in French, uh, and comics who are doing only their sets in English and I'm, what are some of those? Okay. I'll, I'll start with a cliche. The world's getting smaller. But it is true in the sense that um, for, for people who don't know, Montreal specifically and Quebec in general um, has gone through many, many uh, um, tumultuous years of separation. Um, the political background being that the French would like their own country, Quebec to be their own country. Sorry, its own country based on linguistic divide with the rest of Canada. So um, there's that underlying resentment sometimes with certain French speakers, certain English speakers. Mm. Um, The English being the old school invaders, the ones who used to own all the property and oppress Mm. the French. Back to the Montreal Canadiens hockey team, where the star players were francophone, but the owners were English. And the dressing room was all in English, whereas the star players and the majority of the players were French. So is that resentment underlying? In comedy, you have two different worlds. The um, French speakers who are superstars in their own right and um, tour the province and sometimes go to France to tour, but that's another ballpark completely, some would argue another sport. But um, the English speakers who don't perform in, in French tour the rest of Canada, sometimes the States, performing English comedy. So the French speakers have their own star system where they could tour a one-man show for a year. Um, And you're selling tickets to next year's show based on the strength of this year's show. Interesting. At the end of your tour, the the basic model, and it varies act to act, but the basic model is I tour for a year. At the end of the year, I film a special for TV, for Netflix, for whatever. Now Netflix, but in the years gone by, for TV, it goes on air, and I spend six months writing a new show and start touring the next show in six mm-hmm. months. And like I said, you, your ticket sales success will depend on how good your last show was. So, and they make a good living doing it. They drive nice cars. They make a good living. English speaking comics are couch surfers, not all of them, but tend to more towards being a standard stand, mid-range stand-up comic. Couch surfers, sometimes they make a living, but they sideline and other things. They do some corporates, whatever. But mm-hmm. to be a pure stand-up is very difficult in in Montreal, English Canada. If you go to Toronto, it's a different deal, but it's in the same realm. You get struggling artists. 
Mm-hmm. Some comics as of late. Yeah, I mean, I'm, if this ever gets boring, please stop me. But I find it fascinating because I live. No, it's interesting. The as of late, there's a comic named Sugar Sammy, who started doing comedy years ago, and um, had an idea of doing a bilingual show. Now, backtrack a little bit. In my office, for example, in many offices, my friends, my colleagues, my uh, peers, you use a mix of French and English. My my accounting. Case in point, my day-to-day life, my accounting department is francophone or French-speaking mainly. So I can get by. I can speak to them in French or if they understand English. It's not a problem. They're very friendly. But if you want your checks on time, you might as well ask for them in French. So that's what I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's, – it sounds silly, but it's actually true. And you're being just a nice guy and our legal department and our marketing department. And there's a good the, – the, the festival itself is bilingual. It's a huge French side. They do mm-hmm. massive, like Broadway productions in French. They just did Mamma Mia this past year. They did Chicago. They did Hair. They did Grease. They did Footloose in French, in French, in French, in French, in French. Mm-hmm. Massive successes because the locals, uh, French speakers, love to come see a, a Broadway show done in French. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, uh, so that's the part of the uh, festival. Footloose, that, that footloose in French is less footloose and more uh, pied d'ample. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, nice! Yeah, they keep the titles. They keep the titles and the graphics, and they buy the rights, the whole deal. But all that to say, uh, more and more comedians, French speaking, want to get into the English because New York, Chicago, London. Now, it's an uphill battle because that's my second language, so I'm learning the cadence of American comedy, the cadence of English comedy, because French comedy tends towards more character, more of a uh, rant, a bit. There's, there's some who do very American set-up punch, set-up punch, but more do a story, a long story with punches and... Um, more, I'm trying to think of a good example, but I can't think. It's of like one a, it's of like an American style stand up, like vignette, like in front of in front of the audience. But is that yes. true? So this is yeah. interesting because you know I've done. You and I had spoken previously. I've done comedy in France for a while. Yes, um, yeah. We um, you know, we spoke with Paul Taylor, French uh, English comedian, actually in France, who has a mm-hmm. whole career yep. in France. But it's fascinating because. Uh, I've noticed that with French comedy, but is that also true of French Canadian comedy? Because I, I find that interesting, especially in a bilingual city like Montreal, that there's you know French stand up. I mean, French sense of humor has had such a an influence on Americans and Britons. It, it would you would think that a French Canadian comedian would have a style that tended to, even if it was predominantly like character and and one man show type thing, would mm-hmm. still have an understanding of the basic setup punchline and have a cadence like that, similar to sort of any other English speaking North American based comic. Uh, tends towards it, yes, but the the root is still there of the character. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The root is still there of a French Canadian um, folklore, folk music, a little bit. I'm, I'm going to be a little insulting, a little backwoods-ish. Yeah, storyteller, <laughs> as opposed to um, a Jimmy Carr, a Lewis Black, a setup punch, a setup punch. Whether it be political, whether it be just uh, uh, you know relationship, mm-hmm. whether it be ethnic based, whatever. But what you have in the newer new ish generation is a sugar sammy who's a uh east asian descent 
Mm-hmm. From India, his parents moved here from India. His first language is Punjabi. His second language is English. His third language is French. And he started doing shows in French and English, a mix, a, a patois, you might want to say. So if you're mm-hmm. English, you could come to the shows. If you're bilingual, you come to the shows, enjoy the whole show. If you're just English, you're going to get 60% of it. If you're just French, you're going to get 50% of it. But it caters to both. Like we grow up in the metro here in the public transit you hear conversations that among students that flip-flop between the two one sentence Mm -hmm. so he'd do a setup in english a punchline in french and the other way around and then do four minutes in english and then delve into three minutes in french because he's talking to a guy in the audience who happens to be french so he did the Mm -hmm. most both and he's masterful at it and he sold out for the past i think six years by tapping into and what i alluded to earlier um in French, he, 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 it's more than teases, but less than tortures. It's somewhere <laughs> between where he goes at this separation divide. And what, he did a gala in French, I think it was 2006 or something, years ago. But he went on and his opening line was, listen. And he was known to tease the French. And he said, listen. In French, he said the following. Listen, I know. I'm known for teasing the French. I tease them. But I get it. There are Quebecers who are educated, who travel, who are, you know, enjoy the arts and culture. And he pauses and then he says, and then there are those who voted to separate. <laughs> and the audience splits down the middle because it's that old school. We have audience shots of young couples laughing and a little old lady behind them just shaking her head. New brown boy, you're not making me laugh with that one. Boom! <laughs> now, thin edge of the wedge, and he's got them. And then he keeps going and teases them even further because he's a brown guy, uh, international, tours around, and is successful. And the older class just hate that. And the younger class goes, yeah, but he's one of us. Yeah. Because his mother tongue is not even French or English. You can hate him, love him. I don't care. But he is entertaining. And he is going to make you laugh and think and do whatever, all the cliches. But it's absolutely that. Conversely, you have some, like I mentioned earlier, you have some French Canadian acts who want to delve into the English, but it's tougher than they think because they're used to making a lot of money. And getting driven places, and they're going to New York doing the comedy cellar, mm-hmm. if they can get in for yeah. six minutes. <laughs> and that is way far away from doing a theater in Montreal with 900 people and getting a standing ovation when you walk on. Dude, I don't care who you are. You've got a funny accent, and you're not that funny. You're doing What are you doing, a goofy accent? That's how you talk? Mm-hmm. Boom. Smack in the face over and over, but they want to get into it. So they, they'll pay the price. They go to Toronto, Ottawa, Chicago, New York to get sets and work on the craft. That's mm-hmm. fascinating. So it's very interesting. Yeah. Yes. Brent, I've got a question. Does uh Yes. So does that sep like that separatism between Quebec and the rest of Canada? I I mean, what yeah. year was the referendum? Was that nineteen ninety five? They've had two. The last one was ninety five. Oh, there was another the, one. Okay. Yeah, the um, one Jeez. earlier in the 70s, and okay. 95 was the closest we ever came. It was 50.5% was wow. no. Wow. And 49.5 was yes. So we went, yeah. whoo, that was close. I mean, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. There might be another one, and we could be facing a Quebecit in the future. Quebecit. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Nice. kind of that perfect could be. I mean, I... I actually hope it happens just so that we can say Quebecit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a steep 
price to pay for an axiom yeah, or a true. maxim. Just a, yeah, it just kind of rolls <laughs> off the tongue. But no, I, I guess my question is, is, do you see that kind of uh, separatism, you know, uh, is that material for a lot of uh, – uh, Oh, you know, absolutely. Obedience? Absolutely. That, because, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it feeds into the, the identity that is forged in the Quebec culture of don't really know what's going to happen next, but here's a show. Here's a comedy show. Uh, you know, hey, the political, uh, the the person in power on the provincial front dictates, are we going to do another referendum? Now, the public basically in the last one chilled on it. And in the ensuing years, Francophone, Anglophone, people said, enough with the questions. Because, as you know, an election or a referendum in this case costs a decent amount of money. It oh, takes yeah. a lot of attention, a lot of time, a lot of advertising, a lot of debates, a lot of animosity, let me tell you. <laughs> when people start talking about it, you don't know who you're talking to, so just you got to tread lightly. And people I mean, were done with it. So there's, there's, there was talk, it surfaced a few years ago about, let's do another one. And people say, okay, shut up. We're not mm-hmm. doing another one. It basically got quashed, but I don't think it's going to go away. Is it going to come back in the next five years? Don't know. But we'll have to see. It depends. Politically, it depends on the on the currents and how they go. So mm-hmm. it's a real real grist for the comedy mill, though. I suppose oh, it's always always floating absolutely. somewhere in the background of of Quebecois culture. Absolutely. There's a there's a Montreal actor named Mike Patterson, who um, grew up in Montreal, but sort of Anglophone Montrealer who learned to speak French while repairing bowling pin replacement machines um, <laughs> at a bowling alley in East End, which is hardcore French. So he learned his French, his words, not mine. He calls it bowling alley French. So it's really butchered French. But now he's got a big career in French because the French love him because he <laughs> butchers their language and he just goes into English whenever he forgets a word, which is often. And the, the best part is he titles his French tour in English. So, and the title is added insult. He calls it French comedy is easy. Evec Mike Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> and they hate him and love him at the same time. And I've been with him on the street where people come up to him because he does ad campaigns as the big buffoon. And, and another thing, he, um, he did one of the voiceover in the French version of Toy Story 4. I think he was the, 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 the I don't even know which character, but, and because of his accent. So he goes on, and, and somebody came up to him, and he started speaking French with them, and they said, oh, your, your show's amazing, your, your ads are amazing, you're perfect. And he's sort of a heavyset guy with a beard and just unkempt. And uh, they said, um, it's great, I love your accent. He said, yeah, I'm going to start taking, in French, he told them, I'm going to start taking French lessons to improve my French. And they approached him very close and almost hugged him and said, please don't. <laughs> don't lose, that's your don't lose your accent. Is yeah. How much you butcher our language? So please don't <laughs> take any less. Do not improve one iota. <laughs> and he said, "Okay, my people, my people." Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's like a beautiful. Um, I feel like that was like my experience in France. Also, was that they just found it so charming that you're like, yeah, trying and fumbling so much to say yeah. anything in their language. <laughs> yeah. Conjugation, schmonjugation. Is that a feminine or a, a, a masculine noun? I don't remember, so I'm just going to wing it. Yeah, they just, mm-hmm. they just, it, it's rife for all kinds of different like things that they would hate a native speaker for that they really find charming when you're bumbling around with their, you know, with their language. It's almost like slapstick yeah, exactly. with words, like <laughs> <laughs> slapstick with words, exactly. Um, and there's a I've... dearth of slapstick now. 
I've got some questions uh, for you, Brent, about uh, yes. the the production side, which you've been like uh, involved with. You've had a lot of roles. You've worn a lot of hats during your uh, tenure over at at Just for Laughs, and um, yeah. kind of what what got us connected specifically is that we were reaching out to the people who produce the uh, comedians of the world for Netflix. And yes. uh, we were pointing towards you because uh, Morgan, I think Elliot over there, who's a really, yes. a really, really a cool woman who's super nice. Superb. Yeah, yeah. Su- super cool. Pointed us to you and said, you know, a lot of the editorial decisions in terms of which comedians were sourced and, and, and would end up on it were from Brent. Um, yeah. And so I'm curious, you know, now with the productions that you're involved in, um, you know, we had talked previously, you had done some some comedy productions for television in Canada, I think on the CBC and, and a handful of other yep. things. And then, not to overinflate this question, but, you know, Zach and I went to MIPCOM in Cannes last year and saw Just for Laughs, had a booth there. And um, yeah. I think we we talked with a couple of the people who were there for a minute. I don't remember their names, but um, I'm just curious, you know, in, in with what you do today, you know, how do you find comedians? What is the way that you, you know, that you you start noticing or or sourcing international acts, and you know, then maybe we can dovetail that into talking about productions and how those are even done today. Sure. Um- I used to do scouting, and now it's a very talented team, a larger team than when I was working at uh, Zoe Ravnett, Nick Brazell, Robin Kayser, uh, Olivia, uh, there's Sophia, Paul Ronca. There's a bunch of people who scout, and we employ other people on the ground in L.A., in Toronto, mm. Mm. Um, in London, just keeping us abreast because you can't be there 24-7. There's oh, yeah. also this little website called YouTube where comedians post up videos from what I understand. Um, so we keep our finger on the pulse to the best of our ability of what's going on. And we talk to a lot of locals. So we'll, when I used to do showcases and currently when we do showcases, we source the people in that, uh, hood. So if it's Cleveland, if it's wherever, we'll talk to the local club owners, a couple local journalists, some bloggers from there. Um, some stand-up comics that we know from Cleveland who've perhaps moved on, perhaps make their home base in Cleveland, but tour around. And I'll say, listen, who's the hot property in Cleveland? And then we get a list of 20 names. And then we whittle that down to however many can fit on a showcase, so 10. Mm. And then we do the, go into Cleveland, do a showcase. Um, and so if you get a cross-section of let's say you're uh, resourcing with five different people Four of the five say this guy's brilliant. And one says they're a lunatic. Chances are they're a brilliant with 10% lunacy involved, <laughs> but, but you just, you know, and if, uh, everybody says they're no good, they're a hack. And one person says they're brilliant. It's probably that person's cousin, Yeah, which is fine, <laughs> but you have to source multiple angles of it. And why do you think they're brilliant? And it takes time. Yeah, that's the issue. It's not someone who decided to hop on a plane to go to L.A. because they think they're wonderful. It's people in that community who've grown and, um, you know, fostered the art form in Cleveland and maybe even mentored some younger comics, but never got their due. Mm. So we try and find that gem in the rough. I mean, that's how we found Dave Chappelle. Uh, you know, back in the day. So it's just one of those things of a lot of groundwork, a lot of grunt work. And then when we get to it, we build the festival using that as a model, including some people who've done it before. Uh, The Tom Papas of the world, who are fantastic. But um, nobody wants to see a gala of, you know, a multi-comic event with full of guys doing relationship material um, (laughs) fairly 
uh, I don't want to say Tom safe as in boring. I mean, Tom is one of those polished acts you can find, but just you want some diversity in there of yep. someone doing something edgy, someone doing something relationship, something sociopolitical, someone with an accent in there. You know, you want a, a good range of it. So there's qualities to be had in anyone. And what I love, what I loved most about scouting is discovering because there's a lot of, in any métier, if you're doing jazz, jazz saxophone, whatever, there's a lot of jazz saxophone out there. There's not many hugely talented that rise to the top. Mm. So it's finding those and that quirky guy that's going to appeal or girl or whatever that's going to appeal to 25% of our audiences. But those 25% are going to be blown away by this person and the way they're approaching jazz saxophone, comedy, country music, rapping, you know, modern dance, whatever they're doing, they're doing it in a way no one else is. And it's not going to appeal to everybody. So it's finding that, identifying that, bringing them to Montreal and saying, look at what we got. Because I was told by our founder years ago, if you put on 10 shows and all 10 of them sold out, you haven't pushed hard enough. Mm, mm. Let's go for two to suck, suck, where nobody comes, <laughs> where nobody comes. And just go, okay, push it too far. But if the people who did come, the 12 people who did come to that show go, to all their friends, you wouldn't believe what I just saw. You did. Yeah. You missed it. And we get that all the time. I used to book a show called the Underground Series, mm-hmm. and we had Upright Citizens Brigade. This is in 2000, 99, 98. Um, it featured Tina Fey, Andy Richter, uh, David Kickner. Oh, yeah. And then a couple of other players who didn't move on. But they were not household names back then. Mm-hmm. Tina Fey was on the rise compared to the other. She was a bit of the star of the troupe. And Andy Richter with Conan was sort of the through line to it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, th- that was amazing. And it sold decently, not well. But that same year, we had Matt Lucas and David Williams, who became Little Britain. And mm-hmm. they had a show, one of the funniest shows I've seen to date, which was Sir Bernard Chumley and Friends. And it was a character comedy bit um, show that I saw in Edinburgh twice. It was the only show I went to twice in the same year, just because I was so blown away. Brought them here. 14 people showed up. Three years later, they did Live Aid. Wow. And, and my friends, my idiot friends are going, you, dude, you should get Matt Williams. Listen, you idiot. Remember three years ago when I, when I pleaded <laughs> with you to buy a ticket to that show called Sir Bernard Chumley and Friends? Those are the guys. That's, that's like we an, can't afford them. That is so we funny. We can't afford them. That is like an old it was, school. It was Twelve bucks. Yeah, it's, it's like an old school like story. That's so funny. We had them. We had them before yeah, they were. We famous. had them. You, <laughs> you idiot. Let me tell you something about comedy that you don't know. So, but that's happened more than more often than I'd, I'd care to repeat. Where we had people doing monster sets, where we just there's first of all, I get it. There's a ton of shows on during the festival. One man shows, theater shows, you know, galas, small club shows, one uh, everything. And so to pick and choose, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a physical comedy duo from Australia that I've never heard of or a multi-comic thing at a club where, okay, I'm going to go to the multi-comic thing. So I've had reviewers come over to me, you know, 12 people in the audience going, where did you find this? Lena and Woodley from Australia who are old school slapsticky straight men punch um, – and just this one guy falling over himself. I don't know how he doesn't break his bones all the time. 
but it's that old school slapstick and they actually they just got together and they're doing our just the last Sydney event next month which is oh, going to be awesome. I can't wait to see them again but it's one of those things where I what can we do because it's a you know we're doing small 100, 110 seats 140 seats I don't have the budget to advertise all over the place oh yeah even if I wanted to when we've got you know 2,000 tickets to sell to a gala performance so oh, yeah Anyways, I'm going. I'm really long-winded. I'm very no, no, no. It's, it, this is all no, really no, no. good. Yeah, this is all really good. Okay. I got two things that I want to tease out of that. The first is that I really love that you push shows that your your you know the mandate a little bit is to not just create great, amazing shows that always sell out, but like, hey, let's find an mm -hmm. edge somewhere so that this isn't yeah. everybody's cup of tea, but we're going to blow away 25% of the audience. Because yeah. I can tell you, if you want to find two shows that bomb, I'm your guy. Uh, I, I am the guy. I, I, and let me tell you, Brent, I got the Edinburgh reviews to prove it. Uh, oh, nice. Did you get a couple of one stars or two stars? Oh, my God. I got, I got a couple of really bad reviews. It's nuts because... It's a long story, but like we've, I produced two shows over in Edinburgh uh, in 2017. Yeah, and um, Zach's the one who can do the 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 five star sell it out every show thing. He was written about in Time Magazine. That's how good his show was. I had like nice. I think, I think Chortle wrote a review of the Chicago Comedy Showcase, and they were like, "Why is any comedy happening in Chicago? Like we can't tell from this review." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Man, I'm." I'm gonna get this framed and put it up on my wall. This is fantastic. <laughs> do you do you know Modern Problems in Science? Uh, do you remember that show? It was from the Improv Olympic. Oh yeah. I scouted them. Years, sorry to diverge, but yeah, it's one ahead. of my favorite shows of all time. It was Modern Problems in Science was the title, and it was three improvisers: Rich Fulcher, Phil Granchi, and Dick Costello. Oh yeah, were okay. three of them. Rich Fulcher is a lawyer who never uh, practiced law but went into improv. Phil Granchi is, has his, I'm going to quote this, I'm going to get it right because it's from 96. He has his doctorate in um, paleontology and he, his thesis was on giant, the giant clams of Ellesmere Island. Nice. Why I remember that, I cannot tell you. The third guy, Dick Costello, was a computer scientist who have, has a full-time job in the computer field. If you, and this is Googleable. Um, I don't know if he currently is, but he was for a few years the uh, CFO of Twitter. Wow! Wow! What he became after, well after Modern Modern Problems in Science disbanded. But Modern Problems in Science was an improv show where it was three these three gentlemen who did a university level lecture proving a theory in one hour. That's the theory was was given by the audience as they walked in. <laughs> and the three improvisers were given their domain of expertise right before they began. So you tonight, Phil Granchi, are a linguist. Uh, Dick Costello, you are a paleontologist. Wow. And Rich Fulcher, you are a mathematician. And go. And then they start. And they've proven theories like John, Paul, George, and Ringo are the four basic elements of the genetic code. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> In one hour. That's so And they that's use so charts good. and diagrams. And they cannot diverge from their area of expertise. I love it. Phil Grancy, I think, still does comedy here in uh, Chicago. I think sometimes. I think I've, I've there you I've, go. I think I've seen him. Also, I should say, uh, the yeah. giant clams of Ellesmere Island is uh, the title of my first erotic novel. 
Um, so I, 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 one of the things you mentioned earlier that I don't want it to escape us is like one of the one one of the things. So this this podcast is, it exists for sort of a couple of different reasons. One is that I mean, honestly, Zach and I just really fucking love comedy, and we love yeah. international comedy, and we love traveling, and we love going to new places. And you know, I wouldn't have spent so much of my life in France and Germany and the UK and, and, yeah. you know, and, and even in Canada doing comedy, if I didn't like it so much, cause God knows I'm not building my retirement on it. But, uh, but <laughs> I will also say that the second reason this podcast exists is that we really love finding comedians who are, I mean, really fucking talented people and who, okay. you know, but are just in markets where, you know, it's not like, they're not in New York. They're in Reykjavik, Iceland, yeah. or they're in St. Petersburg, Russia, or they're in Mongolia, or or yeah. wherever, Malawi. And do you want me to give you I, a world tour? Oh boy, buddy! <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, some but of I was, was going to say, but yeah, go ahead, sorry. I, I was going to say just one of the things you pointed out that I thought was a big useful thing was like you know if you're a comedian in Reykjavik, Iceland, uh, mm-hmm. you can post. You can really use YouTube to start. To start building your brand and find and, and yep. posting things that then will get attention from other people and and sending exactly. them uh, to different markets like New York or like Cleveland or like whatever and and, and attempting to, to 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 sort of build your brand internationally outside of that space because one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I want to flag but we have heard from people in other markets is like you know you can be an Icelandic comedian you can tour around Iceland you can fly to Finland you can go to Scandinavia you can do a whole yeah. bunch of different shows in the Nordic market and actually make a living but you will never be known outside of that market and and mm-hmm. and it it that breaking through just like with a french speaking comedian in in quebec it's like you can actually yeah. sell out a theater but getting outside of that market is just really difficult it sounds like that that's a step that all these guys kind of have to take and it, and and i think youtube is maybe a good way as you mentioned to try to get you know a big international brand's attention like yours and it's a perfect testing ground because you can float something out there, and if you start getting views and comments from France, New Zealand, wherever a market you want to go to, you can go, hmm, okay, I think I could float a club tour, a mini theater tour, a fringe tour in that market based on the comments I'm getting. Hey, I'm coming. I mean, Sugar Sammy, Russell Peters started doing, and they're not comparing the two, but on social media, on mm-hmm. the internet, floating out. Short clips, longer clips. Hey, I'm coming by in your area. And I mean, Sugar Sammy used to be a nightclub promoter. So he used that expertise, the, the holy trinity of um, live performance of any type. Performance, of course, the craft itself, the business aspect of it, making it profitable, and the marketing PR angle where you have a not, I, I don't want to say a hook and cheapen it, but saying knowing how to talk to the press, knowing how to get people excited about it as opposed mm-hmm. to, hey, I'm a comedian. Good for you. There's a lot of, mm-hmm. oh, you're the, the, you mean the one that stands on stage against a brick wall and tells jokes? Yeah, well, I saw that once and didn't really like it. You know, we get that <laughs> often. Someone goes out to an open mic and think that defines stand-up comedy. It, does, it defines those stand-up comedians on that night. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love stand-up comedy. I saw Jerry Seinfeld once. All comedy is great. 
Okay, well, that's a limited subset. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> right. can't base all your experience on one show that you saw, much less any jazz show, modern dance show, any show. It's all shows are different. That's the beauty of it. But when you talk about international, there's so much touring around going and people busting borders, not even French English, I mean, internationally. I think we talked last week uh, or two weeks ago, Brendan, about um, Deliso Chaponda. Yep. Who's a comedian who lived in Montreal, was an international student, uh, international student from Malawi. And he just on a dare, maybe he was drunk, he went on stage for the first time and at an open mic and thought it was fun and kept doing it. Is he the best comedian I've ever seen? No. But what he did was go back to Malawi and introduce Malawi to stand-up. So he's by no means a triple billionaire in Malawi, but he's probably in the upper 10% of the uh, income bracket in Malawi. So he, But when he does shows, you, you can't do a show. It's one of the few art forms you can't do it for nobody. You can't rehearse stand-up because you're not going to know something's funny unless you get that visceral response from an actual live audience oh, who yeah. are not all your cousins. So, mm -hmm. and you know that, and you know, it's right. You're getting reviewed right now immediately and it can't really be faked. Oh yeah. <laughs> John Cleese said it best. The, the saddest sound in the world, forced laughter. Um, <laughs> but he does shows and in Malawi, because of the economic situation, not judging, just saying his words, he said, you've got to do a show. I have to do a show in a 2,000-seat theater for the equivalent of $1 a ticket. Oh, boy. Because to make it worthwhile to pay the theater, to pay the lighting guy, to pay the sound guy, to pay the ticketing guy, to pay everybody, and to earn something for me, because I spent six months developing, developing the material, you could mm -hmm. never do a show in a small club for 20 bucks a ticket, the equivalent, because no one's going to go, because people in general can't afford it. Oh, yeah. So you have to change your paradigm of how you do comedy. So you might think you're an expert. You ain't because it's a different mm -hmm. model. So that was, I mean, eye-opening to me. I mean, 2,000 seats for a dollar. Who's coming in to your show? Regular people? People yeah. want to see a show. But it's, <laughs> this is, but we got to talk to that guy. Oh, we, man, it's fascinating. I believe he's still there in Malawi, but he uh, opens for people when he comes to North America. And he's, he's a solid act. He did gala for us three years ago. And he's, he's a solid act. In Malawi, he's a small D deity because I've never seen this before because it's more storytelling mm -hmm. there. And, you know, it's a, I guess you'd call it a folk storytelling culture where stand-up mm -hmm. comedy is just what are you talking about the same way we'd look at a folk storyteller oh that's cute you know yeah yeah, maybe yeah. smile it wasn't really funny but they're just being blown away by something like that because i've never seen that this is like another now, part now. Th this is another part of this fat this project that has been so fascinating is that there is a lot of markets that have never really seen or understood stand-up before and mm -hmm. and uh, and it's really an art form that's starting to take the over the world and it and just like you said previously like there it, it exists in many different ways like sometimes it's more yep. storytelling sometimes it's actually uh you know two-man show or it's like a or 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 something that's more close to sketch or something but it's still it's it, the actual stand-up form is is so new to so many different mm -hmm. markets and so many different places. It's really cool to see that it's it's taking off and that you specifically, Brent, are having a hand in 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 that. Oh, I control. I'm the puppet master. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> but 
there's, there's a lot of international with with the advent of YouTube and us being the festival to go to. You get a lot of like South Africa. Twenty years ago was birthplace um, years of stand up there. And you had people like John Vlismus and Mark Banks and people who came to the festival back then and went home going, well, you guys, we had to deal with Mnet for years, for I think five years where they did a production license. So for international markets, what they do on the business side, I'll let you in behind the, behind the screen here, but what a um, Mnet uh, broadcaster in South Africa would come to us with a star in that market. So it was John Vlismus, whatever, uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago where he would come in and he would do uh, hits from Montreal. So he'd stand in Old Montreal, an example. Cobblestone Streets, um, second oldest city in North America, and he'd go, hey, we're here in Old Montreal. Isn't this beautiful? Your next act is Tom Papa. (laughs) And they'd cut to gala footage of Tom Papa. Now, that would air in South Africa, giving the South Africans a crash course in stand-up comedy. And they had stand-up comedy live there, but that's a different level same thing in the UK. Same thing. We did it in Germany. We did it in Japan. We did it in uh, Spain. We did it in New Zealand, Australia. And as I mentioned, South Af- Ireland as well. And South Africa. So it would be the Irish got a one-stop shop for international stand-up comedy that they could occasionally see on TV, you know, Seinfeld special, whatever. But this is a mix with the guy I know, Ed Byrne, Neil Delamere, whoever, Carl Spain, whoever the guy host or girl hosting was, there, and he's interviewing Dylan Moran, Tom Papa, uh, John Panette, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, and that's Ed Byrne interviewing Sebastian Maniscalco. Wow, he's really funny. I like him. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So we'd bring it to that market, and then the up-and-coming stand-up comics would go, I gotta go there. That's the Olympics of comedy. I need to get, that's my goal in the next 12 months, two years, I'm gonna get there. And so they would come. And uh, three years ago, we had a bunch of South Africans come here for one of these TV deals. And um, a couple of them said, I'm furious with a named Luis Ogolo. He's a very talented stand-up, but he'd done the festival before and he was back that year. And so this younger comic said, I hate Luiso because you know what? He kept coming back to us and saying, Montreal's amazing. You've got to go. It's amazing. It's the best <laughs> comedy in the world. You've got to go. And I was like, okay, okay. It's a festival. Shut up. And then I got really mad at him because I got here and he said he didn't tell us half of how big this <laughs> how, thing is. How, how actually ridiculous. amazing and big it was. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not trying to, I mean, I am tooting our own horn, but it's like, I work here. I see this all the time. I don't, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's an event, but like events around the world. Well, apparently in the stand-up world, not so much. Yeah. But around the world, I, I want to get, I, I have a shopping list of people that I like over the world. Can I go through it around the world? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. let's do it. Please. This would be great. Okay. Nigeria, Basketmouth. He, he's an ex-rapper turned stand-up comic. Uh, four years ago, he had five million Twitter followers. So he's got, he does shows all over the place, but he was here once and did two small club shows and just was amazed at the amount of comedy. Really talented guy. Again, a, a blend of stand-up and um, African storytelling. A little bit of that... Um, old school folk-ish stuff mixed in, but really talented. Uh, Randy Feltface, in uh, a New Zealand comic, works mainly on Australia. He's now on um, Bring the Funny, but not tapping into his full potential. One of the funniest non-human stand-ups I've ever seen. Um, 
<laughs> Expert of uh, Sammy J and Randy, they still sometimes work together. A uh, comedy duo, uh, Sammy J being an actual human being and Randy being a puppet. And they sing songs <laughs> and do whatever. But Randy does one-man shows of stand-up as a puppet. Um, very, very funny. Um, Vivek Mabubani, he's um, of Indian descent who lives in Hong Kong and does stand-up in Cantonese. Oh, my and gosh. And English. We got to We got really to talk cool to that guy. guy. Yeah, you, you do have to. I don't know if he's still there. It was about five years ago when I first saw him, and I've been sort of following his clips now and then. Yep. But um, like I said, he does do some in English, but mostly in Cantonese. And from the comments on the YouTube clips, it's he's got a flawless Cantonese accent. Um, Lisa Gola, who I mentioned, South Africa. Michael Mittemeyer in Germany. Fantastic um, comic, open for you too. And he's a very interesting example, having been to Edinburgh. I think you can relate to this. He came to Montreal because he wanted to do more English comedy. Interesting. So he came to Montreal, our Toronto and Montreal events. So he'd come in and do English comedy, and his English was a little broken, but pretty um, way better than my, my German. Um, and he'd do a set, like a one-man show in English. And the the funny part is, you can probably imagine, a bunch of people would come out to the show, German-speaking, and go, oh, he didn't do German comedy. No, because he's in Canada and he wants to do English comedy. He met Eddie Izzard here in 2011, I think it was. And said, hey, man, uh, Eddie Izzard, this is amazing. I really want to do the UK. And Eddie Izzard, who you probably know, is quite crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and yeah. he did. He doesn't speak French well, but enough to do a show. He did a six-month Paris run in France. Oh, yeah. He, uh, mm-hmm. My he friend uh, Yassine Balous opened for him over there. For oh, yeah. A whole there bunch you go. Of runs. Yeah. He's, uh, and now he does shows in German, that guy. He's That's like, it. I, what a... That's I just, you, to the Michael Mittemeyer relation, where mm. Michael said, I really want to go to Edinburgh to do shows in Edinburgh. And Eddie said, funny, I want to go to Berlin to do shows in... So Michael Mittemeyer is a major star in Germany, like a TV late-night star, mm-hmm. as well as doing arenas. So he said, here's the deal. You produce me, Michael saying to Eddie, you produce me in Edinburgh, and I'll produce you in Berlin. And so Eddie said, whoa deal. And Michael said, deal. So you had um, posters in Edinburgh saying, Eddie Izzard presents Michael Mittemeyer in a German in English. And in Germany, you had <laughs> posters saying, Michael Mittemeyer presents Eddie Izzard aus Deutsch. <laughs> so Eddie Izzard did shows in Germany presented by, so people don't know who the heck Eddie Izzard is. <laughs> but they know Michael Mittermeier. So they Eddie Izzard. Wo ist das? Wo ist das? Das ist nicht eine Comic. My wife is Swiss and my father is Swiss, so I can get by in German, but it's to butcher German. That's so so <laughs> that was the marriage that they loved, that they co- they worked off each other's back. And Eddie, of course, would take Michael around, introduce him, and listen, this guy wants to do some sets in English at the comedy store in London. Who wouldn't mm-hmm. give him the time of day, but Eddie is there's walking him in. Oh, mm-hmm. Eddie, can we get you a drink? Who's this clown? Well, he's a friend of mine. Can you put him up for 10 minutes? Okay. Uh, In uh, Australia and uh, born in Tasmania, Luke McGregor is one of those guys. You've been around stand-up a while. You Both of you, I've been around a while. It's one of those things where I go, 
when I saw him, I, I hate saying I go, but when I first saw him, I said, I've never seen that before. Mm. Just a goofy guy doing goofy material, self-deprecating, but with a different twist to it. And he's got a sitcom. I mean, he's a major star in Australia, unknown in North America. I don't think he's ever been to North America yet. But one of those guys that just, I, I really, really like. He's so relatable and very, very clever. Um, not a household name anywhere else in the world, as far as I know. But Luke McGregor, going through my list. Ismo Lekala, I think we all know Ismo uh, mm-hmm. from Finland, who's oh, yeah. very Ismo. strong in English. <laughs> um, Ali Sadiq in the U.S., I've come to really appreciate in the past three years. Fantastic story. Again, going into that storytelling vein, really talented, where he can weave, and he doesn't, he can shout and scream and does sometimes, oh, yeah. but with a slow cadence, weaves, you, weaves a web, to use a cliche, and gets you in and just sucks you in. It's really quite amazing. He's fascinating. I've seen him live in New York, and that guy is really, really funny. Oh. And he is a unique comedian in exactly the way you just yeah. described. Oh. Um, we had a group here from Kazakhstan years ago called Kraski Vostoka, and they were a nonverbal group that were the funniest clowns I've ever seen. They recreated – it's impossible to describe, but it was recreating a kung fu movie fight scene with no special effects. Just clowns, stupid, stupid slapstick clowns, but hands down one of the funniest – uh, groups I've seen. I don't even know if they're still working, but Kraski Vostoka from Kazakhstan. Um, Canadians, I'll close off my list with um, Graham Chittenden. Um, clean, really funny, just relatable. Nothing um, groundbreaking in terms of uh, topics, but just home renovations, cooking, living, being a loser, living alone. Just one of those refreshing voices where you go, man, Ivan Decker, Graham Chittenden, Graham Clark. Mm. Graham Clark had a bit that you can probably still find on YouTube to win Canada's top young comic. And he um, used the adage of this guy can be funny just reading the phone book. He brought a phone book on stage and read from the phone book for seven minutes and won the competition. (laughs) It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. He's a Vancouver comic who just... And that's his new bit, just reading from the phone book. And it's a scream. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, I, we need to look that Mark, up. Yeah, Mark Forward is also very good. Mark Forward did Edinburgh a few years ago with a show titled Mark Forward Wins All the Awards. He didn't win the period, <laughs> but he was on the short list. Oh, my God. And just oh, that's great. a little bit of character comedy, a little bit of meta comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivan Decker is also very good in Canada. And um, two things. Sam Simmons is an Australian comic. For those of your listeners who went through absurdist comedy, Sam Simmons rides the line of alternative absurdist. He just does things that he finds funny. But for anyone who's seen a lot of stand-up, it's just a breath of fresh air and really quite funny. I mean, it's Maria Bamford with props, if that makes any sense, but stranger. And he, the best part is he doesn't think he's an alternative comic. He's, we've done interviews with him where, you know, what's it like in the alternative scene? And he stares at him and goes, alternative? I, I don't even know. What are you talking about? Because I just do stuff that I think is funny, and some people tend to like it. And that's it. I mean, he just is a very strange man who just does weird, weird stuff, non sequiturs, but makes me laugh every time I see him. 
Um, this is a this and is fantastic the guy. Oh, in Edinburgh, my favorite. I wanted to ask you because you guys guys have been to Edinburgh more recently than me. Is the Iceman still performing? Ooh. Oh, do you know? I, does that, does I that saw, mean anything? I think I saw a poster for that. Is that yeah, that's he the does an eleven a.m. show. I went to the show twice at 11 a.m. because it's good. Just bring your orange juice, bring your breakfast, sit down for the Iceman. There's eight people in the audience. You do small rooms. And for your listeners, the Iceman is a, a person who has special needs, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's eclectic to be polite, special needs to be unpolite. Um, and he, his whole stick is he brings in a block of ice and he uses various methods to melt that ice. It's a 45-minute show. It's 11 oh in the morning God. when no one else wants the venue. <laughs> this is so And funny. very few people go. <laughs> That's so funny. But I did one year. I went to the show. I said, this is ridiculous. Who's doing a show at 11 a.m.? I have to go see it. I went to see it. It was abysmal, but hilarious at the same time. So the next night I went, I, um, I overnight, I froze a milk carton full of water. And I brought in my own ice cube, like my own block of ice. And oh when he God. started the show, he walked on to bad music with a mask on. I said, and he said, uh, welcome to the Iceman. And I stood up. I said, Mr. Iceman, I have a challenge for you. And I showed him my ice. And he was lost his mind further, if that's possible. And he said, someone, a, 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 a challenge. I can't do that. I have to accept this challenge. So he, he spreads, you know, road salt on the ice. He chips away at it with a crowbar. He oh scrapes at it while chopping at it and just lunacy. But it's one of those shows that's near and dear to my heart because who is this guy? It's just so you can do anything in Edinburgh, man. Uh, but we, uh, oh we, we're, we're running, Brent, we're running up on time. We got to ask you okay. one last question if you yes. want to take this, Zach. Yeah, 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 sure. So, so Brent, so we've we've talked to a lot of uh, a lot of people in the production space, and a lot of people, yes. you know, television executives and independent producers. Um, you know, a common a common refrain that we hear all the time, especially with um, American executives, is that comedy doesn't travel. Um, and they they hmm. say those exact words, and it's it's kind of become this cliche that comedy doesn't travel. Do you think that comedy doesn't travel? No, not at all. It travels in certain markets. Think about um, – here's, here's my best thing. We did a series years ago for uh, a six-parter in multiple languages, and it was a local uh, Canadian network that wanted the immigrant population, the Greek dad and his Greek daughter to laugh. So we did a combination of Greek and English, Spanish and English, German and English, um, Italian and English, Hebrew and English. So the parents who – came from land X would be able to laugh with their kids because it was a mix of English and, and that language. So it bridged the cultural divide. Did every act work? Absolutely not. Some of them were abysmal, but mm -hmm. that was the chance we took. So it does travel, especially when you've got pockets of markets around the world where, hey, it's a British family that moved to Germany for work and they like British comedy. So they're going to seek out British comedy. They're going to watch it online. So if the um, – think about it. If the British comics go to Germany, they're going to find a market. They're not going to sell 10,000 seats, but they'll probably sell a good 800 because mm -hmm. there's a decent amount of people mixed in with locals who are fans of British comedy. So with the advent of obviously YouTube and social media, it's really – and I'm using the cliche twice now. The world is quite a bit smaller, so it does travel if – with an asterisk. If you have a closed mind and you only think 
Jerry Seinfeld, John Panette, and Tom Popper are funny, and that's fine, then no, comedy doesn't travel for you. <laughs> and that's fine. I'm long ago abandoned the prospect of what I think is funny is the only thing that's funny, and everybody else doesn't know comedy as well as I do. I don't care about my opinion. It's the client's <laughs> opinion and the great, un- great public's opinion of what's funny. And if enough people find it funny, that's funny, and it'll travel. Isma Lekala, a Finnish comic who speaks English not that well. Very funny in English. This, I think we've hit on the. I, th- I think you. I, I love this because I think you've hit the point. We figured out. Ex- you just said exactly why we keep hearing this, which is that a lot of these executives, the only thing they think is funny is just Jerry Seinfeld and Tom Papa. They don't really have an <laughs> acumen outside of those two guys. And they want to go to clubs in L.A. and New York and scout that Uh and think that's the be-all, end-all. Meanwhile, at the back of the club are a comic from Finland, a comic from Sweden, a comic from Germany who would love to get on stage but can't get the stage time because they haven't paid their dues in New York. And nobody knows them. They don't have that Eddie Izzard thin edge of the wedge to get them in the door. So, yeah, it's it's too bad. But whatever your, your parameters are, that's what you think is funny, which is fine. If you travel around, if I hadn't been in this job, I would never know Basketmouth. I'd never know Randy or Luke McGregor, but I get the luxury of doing it. So what I try to do imperfectly and very flawed is share and go, dude, I know Tom Papa is great. I don't know why I keep bringing up Tom Papa, but he's great. But there's this guy that I think you'll like that has a weird act also. Uh, with all due respect to Americans, it tends to be uh, a reticence towards acceptance of a different accent. I think that's true. We, uh, we've produced TV yeah. for, for American clients. And they go, eh, we didn't get that, that British guy. Well, he's a New Zealander, but whatever. <laughs> your, your accent recognition well, is off. Well, hey, Brent, but, we, uh, we, yeah. we're, we're hitting up on time, and we should ask Okay, sorry you, about that. Uh, no, you're fine. Yeah. This is no, all, no, this no. Is all we, good. We we'll have to do a, we we'll to do a part two. <laughs> yeah, we wish we could keep going, okay. but... I should ask you, you know, where can just as a final thing here, where can people follow you? Where can they follow just for laughs? Like, what's where, where can where can people where can you direct people at the end of this uh, podcast? Uh, JustForLaughs.com. We have a bunch of tours going on. We have clips on. We're on YouTube. We're on a bunch of uh, platforms. Uh, Zumo, Pluto, Tubi. You can go anywhere to see Just for Laughs clips. Um, and become a fan. I would encourage all your people listening to become a fan of international and scope out stuff that might be getting hits and very popular internationally that you've never heard of. Some of the names I've brought up are just very skimming the, the top of a huge glass of milk that's delicious. Um, mm-hmm. Go find the funniest guy in South Africa now. And it's going to be, I mean, there's Deep Fried Man is another guy, but there's Hundreds of people doing stand-up, like anywhere. The best comic in New York, the best comic in Johannesburg. They're gonna be. There's gonna be some stuff you're gonna love. Find them. Oh man, I can't great... guide you because so you know it's it's so much fun that we get to do this and be immersed in it. And I just want to bring other people in because there's gonna be some stuff. Yeah, you're gonna waste some time trying to find that gem, but that's half the joy. When when mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle was here when he was 18, he was in the rough, and people, where did you find that guy? Yeah, it's it's wading through a lot of mediocrity to get the Dave Chappelle, the Chris Rock when he was 19, all those fabulous comics in their birthplace so inside jokes is the first part of it that Mm. on amazon prime 
Yeah, we'll check that's that. That's the first part of it. That's, um, thank you again, right. Brent, for taking the time to talk with us today, man. This Anytime really, you want to do it, this I'll, is talk, really awesome. I'll talk to him blue in the face. <laughs> this was awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, take no it, problem. Take Thanks, it Brent. easy, Brent. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Okay. Thanks again, Brent. Bye, Zach. Bye. Okay, see ya. Thanks so much for listening to Funny Planet. Funny Planet is hosted by Brendan Lemon and Zach Tomasovic and co-produced by Brendan Lemon, Zach Tomasovic, and Brendan Gay. If you find this podcast fun and valuable, we'd love your support. Please like and subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links will be in the show notes. And if you really want to support us and get access to more content, check the show notes or search for Funny Planet on Patreon. On Patreon, you can pledge a regular donation that will help us to continue to deliver valuable content straight to you. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.